The following thoughts and opinions we're going to discuss regarding this album are strictly of our own personal interests. We are not professional music reviewers. We encourage respectful discussion and friendly banter in each episode, but we do not condone and will not tolerate bullying or belligerence. You are welcome to take what we say regarding the albums we rate with a grain of salt. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rate the Record podcast, episode 61. <laughs> they haven't fired us yet. Yay. Yeah, but I would expect you to be a little more enthusiastic because, I mean, like, we got a couple of things going on today. First off, at least, I mean, straight out of the way, uh, although this isn't technically airing on December 21st, we are celebrating 2112 day, December 21st. Be more enthusiastic. Be less enthusiastic. Woo! 64. Woo! Good job. When do I ever tell you to be less enthusiastic? I don't know. Probably when you have to edit that, you'll be like, could you please stop talking right into the microphone? Oh, that's fine. It'll probably come up very sustained because it's Zoom and that never really <laughs> spikes audio. But uh, not excellent. only are we celebrating 2112 Day, and that kind of goes along with the theme of today's album, obviously, which you can see in the description, but it's the season finale of season three of our podcast. Oh my God, we are at the end again. <laughs> I look really, I, I have got to stop doing that. Um, I really look forward to doing our, like ranking our number ones though, because I've had some pretty good number ones that this is going to, uh, uh, yeah, I feel like this is rack my brain. Yeah, like This is what I look forward to the most when we're done, not only getting a couple weeks off to, you know, just hibernate, but like, uh, I actually have to sit there and just sort of, you know, rank. It's like ranking your favorite children. Everyone knows you have favorite children. I, I feel like that joke has come up on the show before. And I said, no, probably <laughs> I said something about like only love the kid that sucks up the most or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyways, your hosts who obviously don't suck up are Chris and. Oh, I do suck up, but I'm Savannah. Oh, okay. Well then one half, I don't care. Yeah. You're the best host in this show. I would like to think so. And I think I'd like to know so as well. Thank you well, for saying it first. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. That backfired drastically. You know, I came into today's episode thinking that because it was the last episode, I was going to be nice to you, but then you literally forced my hand by saying that. So that kind of ruins my idea already. Mm. Well, we're wearing matching t-shirts. So I mean, the camaraderie yeah, is there. Are, look at that. It's Rush today <laughs> for uh, episode 61, the season finale. And I got all this Rush stuff behind me, including my, my shirt is right there as well on that thing. But yeah, it's uh, we're doing uh, episode 61, season finale, and what better way to celebrate 2112 Day by than by doing Rush's album 2112. That Savannah doesn't own because she doesn't own very many records or CDs. <laughs> I own quite a few Rush records. I have this one. I don't have anything like past moving pictures, I think. Maybe. I'd have to take a look through my collection. As soon as the keyboards came in, you're like, yeah, no, I'll pass. Thank you. Yeah, and then once counterparts <laughs> came out and they got rid of the synths, I was like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> fair, fair. No, no, it's okay. I like a whole bunch of Rush. But yeah, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves right now. So let's kind of draw it back a little bit. And thank you very much for joining us on today's episode, hanging out and checking out today's album. If you haven't before, maybe you have, because I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is one of Rush's biggest albums. I know, oh, moving pictures mm -hmm. and signals. I get it. But like, in a way that got them off the ground where they nearly probably quit oh music. 
this is the one that did it so it's one of the bigger ones so yeah thank you for joining us on this episode we hope you have a lot of fun listening to it just like we do or i mean i guess you'll find out if we did or not toward the mm-hmm. end of the episode so make sure you like subscribe rate comment share follow wow i did that way slower this time anyways do all of those things help us build the musical community that we've been trying to do since day one and now here we are at the end of season three so we are just like chugging along thanks to your support and we would like more of it please and thank you so go ahead do all those things and it will help us a lot something something brick and mortar musical community show fans love you guys thank you just need to put a, a, like a big wordy compilation together of everything i've ever said about musical community <laughs> and all of it is just the same thing same thing same thing and you're like well at least i'm consistent i hope it's even the same tone too <laughs> Yeah, but you can do all of that, especially over in the audio world. You know, high ratings and reviews and everything like that will bump us up in the musical commu- uh, commentary community. So that's great. More eyes and ears on the product, just like yours. So please go ahead and do that. And of course, YouTube, you hit like and subscribe. That way you can always see our lovely faces each and every week, uh, I say, as I smile really large into the camera. Mm-hmm. I, wish I, had, I wish I had dimples. And this is actually the last episode, uh, not only the last episode of the season, but the last episode I'm going to say, uh, hey, help us hit 100 subscribers. Well, we already did, did that realistically at the point of, uh, I mean, not realistically, we, we actually 100% did. We are at 105 yeah. by the time we're recording this, so that's awesome, nice. which means in January 2023, keep an eye out, especially over on our social media, Rate the Record podcast, face, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, TikTok, because we were start, we we're going to start giving away albums at the beginning of January. It's actually happening in the very first album. It's already been announced. We made a video for it, and there's a little card above my head right now uh, if you're watching the video version. But yes, uh, the very first album announced was Radiohead's OK Computer being given away for January 2023. So you'll want to keep an eye out for that when the the, uh, entry form kind of comes out. Fill it out, and good luck. Hopefully you get it. Yeah, everything he said, because I have nothing else to add other than good luck and thank you for subbing. Exactly. And keep the subscriptions coming because once we hit, if we hit 99 again, no one's getting anything. Yeah. Keep it no, above 100. We're, we're, we're going to send a self addressed stamped envelope to whoever wins the record. You got to put it back in the envelope and take it back. So, yeah, not in today's episode, but uh, in future episodes and everything down in the description, you'll find that link. But you'll also find it over at ratetherecord.ca, which is where you'll also find the social links. You'll find the album request form. You'll find all streaming links you ever need. And you'll even find a link to ko-fi.com slash ratetherecord if you want to financially support the show. Completely optional, but you do get things out of it, including, you know, a thank you from us, like directly to you, uh, your name at the end of every episode type thing. Uh, I'm going to have to figure out how we're going to do that for audio. That might be a pain. But regardless, we'll figure it out. And uh, bonus content that's more more that's coming along the way uh especially as we're ending season three and i can kind of do more for that and of course if you have a band and you want us to listen to a song and put it somewhere on our special kofi list then by all means we will do that so five bucks a month gets you into the rtr club why don't you go ahead and check it out kofi.com slash rate the record yeah that's like a coffee a day if you drink starbucks not that bad yeah yeah i I was because i was thinking i was thinking for a minute i'm like where the hell are you drinking your coffee with starbucks yeah that makes sense (laughs) Like I had to piece, that's what you could probably like see it in my face. I'm piecing it together as I'm figuring it out. (laughs) But anyways, we're kind of rambling now. We kind of want to get the last episode off the ground as much as you do too. Because you you have to go on and enjoy your holidays after this. We're like halfway through December and we're going to be gone for a month so we can enjoy our holidays. uh, Take a little time off and actually enjoy music and not write anything about it for a month. That'd be very nice. Oh Oh my God. Sometimes I miss those days. Oh my God. There will be times that I will listen to a record that we've already done on the show. And it's just those little things that either I love 
or other end of the spectrum i hated those are the things that stick out and i can't listen to the whole song as a whole anymore it's just ruined. those little bits i know it's just tainted i hope that doesn't happen with this one uh well i mean we're gonna see in time very very close uh but you know if you've been here before that can potentially ruin it even for you too but if you are here again welcome back we're glad to have you here especially for the last episode of season three what a time to jump in but speaking of time to jump in if you're new here what a time to jump in you picked the very last episode of season three but that's okay you can go back and binge 60 other episodes you got plenty to do while we're off of the time anyways welcome enjoy your stay we're glad that you're here and we hope that you enjoy what you see and or hear today and if you don't know what we do on the show you likely don't so I'll explain to you real quick. So each week, Savannah and I will choose an album, be it completely at random, whatever we want, whatever our choice. Uh, we do an anniversary album too. Like, is it turning 20, 30, 40? Is it celebrating 21, 12 day? This isn't really an anniversary album, but I just wanted to throw that in there. But we'll do an anniversary album too, and we do requests. We've done plenty through the th these past three seasons, and we have more mm -hmm. planned for season four, so keep them coming. But regardless, we do choose an album, we discuss it at length, we write the songs, and then we rate the, the record. record! See, now I'll wait for you. See, it's getting worse on your end than it is mine. You sound like a starting up lawnmower. Yeah. Rate the record! Jinx. Now you can't speak for the rest of the podcast until I say your name. <laughs> Only my score is valid now. Okay, Savannah, you have to uh, actually tell us about today's album, 2112, by the band Rush, which we've covered on the show before for your birthday. We have, which was almost, or little more than a year ago. So, because I've already sort of run through the background of Rush, I mean a very abridged version, this will be the abridged, abridged version. Rush is a Canadian trio from Toronto, Ontario. The band started in 1968 with drummer, drummer John Rutsey, although he ended up leaving in 1974 due to health issues. Neil Peart was, was recruited in late 1974, and they released Caress of Steel in 1975, which was met with moderate distaste from critics. With two albums under their belts already, in 1976, Rush released 2112 on Anthem Records. 2112 was only recorded a month or two before release on April 1st, 1978, although some sources apparently cite March 1976 as well. Rush and producer Terry Brown worked on 2112 and actually worked on every Rush record from 1974 to 1982. And back then they were releasing like one a year. So that's quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, singles include the Twilight Zone and the Tem or, and Temples of Syrinx, which in modern day the latter has become a staple of Rush concerts. Oh, it has! Oh my lord! Side one of twenty. Now I'm just going to kind of abridge the the story here. Um, actually, actually, we're going to finish talking about the record, then we'll do that. I wrote okay, it kind of back, kind of back, kind of backwards. My brain's not on proper. All good. With generally favorable reviews, 2112 received 4.5 out of 5 stars from AllMusic. Good out job, AllMusic. Good job. Right? And they rated it higher than The Guardian and Rolling Stone, which only gave them 4 out of 5. It hit number 5 on Canada's top albums chart and topped 61 on the Billboard Top 200. It is certified two times platinum in Canada, three times platinum in the U.S., and 10 times platinum in all of our hearts. I agree. Yep. Now, to the... Uh, oh, I, I'm pretty bad at summarizing stories. 
Um, and I think a science fiction sort of story I'm definitely terrible at because that is just not my forte. So fill in wherever I'm missing, please. Side one of 2112 is a conceptual story written by Neil Peart based on the work of Ayn Rand, Anne Rand. Don't really know I've her. Heard that name not, pronounced a few different ways. Yeah, yeah, not really interested. The real short of it is that in the year 2112, music is greatly absent from the planet and a man finds a guitar in a cave and rediscovers music. There's a whole thing about the Solar Federation and the city of Megadon, but Side one being only 20 minutes long, I can imagine that this lore was established in the liner notes because me listening to it, there's no way I would have gotten all these nuances and these little details and everything. Um, I also believe he ends up killing himself, but I that's really what I got. So, I mean, if you know more, please let me know. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty much the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, Elder's Man takes over. Uh, don't worry, we decided everything for you. Screw your freedom. And then some guy wanders to a cave. Ooh, guitar, this is nice. Fucking shreds on it, even though he's never played it before. He's like, hey, check this out, Elders. And they're like, fuck off. And then he gets all sad and kills himself. That's the story of 2112. So is this like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure then? When they go to the future and then they, like, play guitars in front of this whole council and everything? Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> That's the imagery I'm getting anyways. I would like to imagine that Neil Peart Travel Forward in Time got got so uh, impressed by Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that he went back in time and wrote 2112. Me just saying that, he just did a 360 in this grave. I know this. But Oi. I wanted to point out the back of the album real quick to the uh, to the um, oh, video no. viewers. Look oh, at no. these LARPing nerds. Uh, no offense to the LARPers out there, but I'm just kind of making a joke. Look at them, though. How old were they here that you were saying? 23 and 24. And like, look at Neil Peart's majesty in that mustache, that mullet. I didn't know they were so young. Like, I knew they were young, but like, I didn't know they were that young. Oh my God. And if you look real closely, you can see Alex Lyson's moose knuckle. <laughs> it's absolutely there. I don't want to get too close to the camera because oh I think YouTube might God. actually strike me for that. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. If, so if you have the album, go ahead, look at it. Oh you'll see it. Just God. like uh, Frank Zappa's Zooter Lures, you look at the cover of that and you'll see uh, Zappa's Wangus uh, through his tight white pants. Oh my God. Thank thank you for directing everybody to that. Much appreciated. No problem. But it's a way that I have to direct them to the album because it's time for us to start talking about it. Good transition. Hell yes. <laughs> hell, hell yes okay so just before we jump into this uh bit of a maybe a bit of a controversial move and i can see why this would be so side a 2112 overture is technically in seven parts but it's one long continuous song so if you go on like spotify it's only one 20 minute song uh so we are breaking it down by the parts but we are also clumping certain parts together as certain songs it's our show. We can do what we want. Exactly. And people, I, I can <laughs> I can see the Kate Bush crowd getting mad because uh, we took the back half of uh, Hounds of Love there and just kind of went through song by song. If any Rush fans get upset with us doing that, I have a lot of history that I can redeem myself with. So I am comfortable with this particular decision. Supposing so. Mm -hmm. So basically what we did I, I well it was kind of like my idea what, what what we decided to do was to 
take Overture and the Temples of Syrinx and clump that in as one song because they meld together perfectly. Oh, totally. Same thing with Discovery and Presentation, which is parts three and four. They meld together really well. And then the last three parts, Oracle of the Dream, Soliloquy, and Grand Finale. Again, perfect melding. And you can kind of tell each section apart. So I thought that'd be the best grouping of songs. So the first side of the album is going to be three songs. Um, might be, seem a little confusing. You'll understand as we go, and uh, hopefully you're not too mad about it. And if you're... We got two words for you. Review time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you first. Song number one, Overture slash The Temples of Syrinx. Now, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've already said this, but I'll say it again. This has pretty much always been my favorite Rush album uh, Like since I started liking them years and years and years ago. Uh, Farewell to King being a very, very close second. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically for the song Xanadu, but I digress. Oh my God, it's such a good song. <laughs> um, this one, uh, so this one starts with Overture, which is a very like cinematic kind of opening credits vibe to the entire song, which I thought was really cool. And it works well for like kind of establishing the motif of the entire story, like musically speaking, because mm-hmm. the riff that you hear a lot through the entire side A is pretty much established in this track. So it kind of lets you know what you're in for more or less. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I don't want to jump to uh, to the end of side A, but like you said, I was listening to it and I, I'm actually going to preface all of this with, I do not recall listening to this entire album bef- like before. I know that I have when I was, oh God, when my dad would play this and I was a child, but I don't think I've actually listened to any song on this side aside from these two solely because they're just, they're really good. They play them live. They're really fun to listen to just these two together. Um, yeah. Although hearing I, old man Getty sing it though, it gets a little troublesome sometimes. Like he can still kind of hit those notes, but obviously nowhere near as clean as he used to. <laughs> I forgot how high he used to sing because I'm so, holy shit. Like I am so used to listening. Like I, my preference for Rush is kind of like mid eighties onwards. We literally have like so... the polar opposite where it's like, <laughs> I'm like signals and everything prior. Yeah. And like some of my favorites are, well, I'd say my favorites are late eighties, early nineties ish. So, but I digress. Um, I really like, I just, I don't, I don't know even know how to review this one. Cause all I'm going to say is, yeah, I like this where I like when they play it live or it, they're just a whole bunch of nostalgic phrases. It's well, just I mean, it's so hard. Well, then let me say a few things and maybe you can work off them a little bit. Yeah, I'll just say I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so still sticking to Overture for a minute. The one thing I do like is um, they added like background singing. You can kind of hear Getty just going, ah, like the whole thing. I like that. Uh, yeah, and then the good acoustic guitar really helped fill the sound out a lot too. So there was like a lot of to appreciate with the layers. Considering there's only three guys, obviously like they will overdub yeah. things and everything, but... Production still sounds really solid on this entire album. Uh, and then the, the Overture ends with a very quiet, like, a, explosions, and then Getty saying, and the meek shall inherit the earth, right into Temples of Syrinx, like, it picks right back up from the word go. Same energy. It's really great. Great progression. And then, yeah, Getty just belting out the lyrics. Just, my God, he's so good for it. And I noticed in this story, the priests are always yelling. It's like the other character who's like usually chill, but the priests are just always yelling. Like the song's about the priests. And in presentation, yeah. when the priests are talking, they're yelling. It's just like, 
My God, very angry men. Well, how else are you supposed to listen until someone, like, unless someone's yelling in your face, right? Yeah, and I guess if they're supposed to be uh, leaders of this particular place. Yeah, you teenagers shake their fist. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned the vocal harmonizing. I absolutely love that. I don't think I ever noticed that before, but this entire record just sounds really good in headphones. Oh, yeah. I find well, that this is... Did you listen to the uh, remastered on Spotify? I did. Okay, because I'm just wondering, like... I would have to go back and like listen to this my my actual record again, yeah. um, to see if it's the same because I don't know if they changed anything in the mix. But this one from Spotify, yes, it sounds really great in headphones. I I really like, and this is sort of overarching for the whole thing, um, but I like how the bass feels. It's not even like how it sounds. It's just I can feel it, and I like that a lot. Um, I really like the acoustic guitar here and there because it definitely adds some sort of bright layers to what I would kind of feel is something a little bit more darker, I guess. Um, and I notice, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, during the chorus of temples, the drums feel a little jazzy. Now I don't Probably. know how else to describe that. And like, I mean, it is no what we're talking about. <laughs> I tried to put a lot of my not like my knowledge of what's to come for them, sort of aside, because I was sort of thinking of them at the time, and like, I still can't believe they were in their early twenties, like. It just, it sounds so good. And Neil being as young as he was, like he's still in that, that area where he still had a huge heart on for Buddy Rich. So I yeah. mean, like that's definitely going to come out in the playing and it, which it does not even just in this album, but all together. Oh my Lord. It's yeah. I don't know this. Uh, I would not be surprised if uh, this song was both our number ones. I mean, only time will tell, I suppose, because mm -hmm. like even the chorus is so fun to jam to. And like, obviously, uh, I can't belt out the lyrics at all. But I mean, that doesn't mean that I haven't tried more than once. Oh, yeah. But also, I'll just sing in an octave lower, too. If I want to sing along, just octave lower. I, I cannot. And I've tried. I cannot scream like that. Um, I, I've probably mentioned before, but my singing range is more like Eddie Vedder. I can yeah. sing low, but I can't sing high. So anytime there's a song that I know I can't sing, I just like lip sync the words, but I don't even sing it. I'm like, everyone, everyone's listening to the concert. They can't hear me anyways. Whatever. Well, e either learn to harmonize so that we can sing in a lower key and harmonize with <laughs> it, or just sing an octave lower like I do. We are the priests of the temples of Searings. Now imagine that an octave higher. <laughs> um, I, I learned how to sing by mimicry. Mimicry? Um, so singing, I have no idea how to actually sing. So fair so. enough. I had vocal lessons when I was younger. I don't remember much about them uh, <laughs> because I was like 13, maybe, and then stopped when I was 14 or something along the lines of that. But so I know some things, but it doesn't mean I'm good. Eh, well, I'm sure you're better than I am. So I was going to say, no detriment to the guy who taught me. He was, he's like a really good teacher, but just I myself and still not a great <laughs> singer. But anyways, digression, uh, time to move on. Yes. We'll move on to the next pairing of songs, Discovery and Presentation. Okay, so I never, again, I never really listened to this entire side in its entirety or really kept the story in mind while listening to it. 
Um, so I'm listening to the beginning of discovery and I, I had just sort of glossed over or sort of skimmed the story and I'm listening to this guitar tuning and in my head, I'm like, Oh, I know what's happening. He's I think discovering. He, yeah, I think he found, well, this makes sense as if I discovered the wheel. Like, duh, that's what this is. But when it popped into my head, I was like, I see it now. I understand. Light bulb goes off. Click. Yeah, but the light's been on for everyone for decades. And I finally turned it on. And everyone's like, it's about time. Well, to be fair, if you're not following the story of the lyrics and just listening to the music, then the discovery might really confuse you. Like, yeah. why is this on the album? Like, you just yeah. killed the energy for this? Yeah. It and sounds good once you understand. And also, bunching in with presentation, it works really well. Because I think I said off camera, if Discovery, if we were scoring each part individually, Discovery might suffer on its yeah. own. Because, yeah. I mean, there's not much to take from it as a solo song. But bunching with presentation, like, it, it's fine. It just works as a very long intro, but it it still kind of progresses the story. There's a mm -hmm. lot of asthma energy going on in Discovery as well. Uh, you yeah. hear the waterfall, then the light tuning of the guitars. It's just like... I, I wish th this is what it sounded like the very first time I ever picked up a guitar. Like I, I could have like, I, I wish I could just pick it up and immediately play beautiful chords within seconds. Like I'm so confused by that. Like seriously, like I think the line was like, what could this, what could, uh, could this thing be that I found in a, a like proceeds to play very proggy guitar riffs. I'm just like, I was like, I learned bar chords four days after I touched my first guitar. It's like with vibrating strings and as if it's like a, like a monkey chipping. Into it, like an, yeah. It's, oh my God. Yeah. He starts taking a rock. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the, the, the wire's broke. <laughs> yeah. He like picks up the guitar. He's like, what is this? Not important. And then smashes it into the wall. And then a couple of like little intricate things about it as well. Like first off, he knew to tune the guitar. Second yeah. off, he didn't go too crazy one end or the other and break it. Yeah. Third, he knows what the hell guitar harmonics are. I didn't know what that was until like a year in. Oh my god. I do like how Discovery is just guitar to really emphasize that point though. Where well, it's just that, him. That also explains it. the tuning and everything too, yeah. Yeah, it's just just him and that's it. So But it it, it transitions really well into presentation, like because Discovery is fairly quiet as like you're kind of watching this guy experience this for the first time or listening to it, I guess. And then mm -hmm. the music starts to pick up a little more because obviously he's like on his way. It's like a child going to show like, Oh, look, I found a bug to his parents and like hold it up right to their face. And they're like, it's a bug. We don't care. <laughs> and that's essentially what happens here because he like frolics all back merrily to his town or what I'm assuming he's frolicking back merrily. Cause like even there's, there's differences between the characters. Like uh, the, this character has like a more like a happy, like warm feeling kind of music behind it, very soft. And yeah. then the priests are just go back to that heavy temple of Syrinx type of riffing and just more yeah. yelling. So there's like two very different things there. Great back and forth energy. But yeah, like, so I just imagine him like frolicking freely through the fields till he gets back to the, like the temple of Syrinx. And he's like, look what I found. And they're like a toy. Okay. <laughs> That is that is kind of the imagery that I got the guitar solo in presentation because it's it's sort of like a you you show up in front of these people and you're like, look, look at this, like this is amazing. And then it he's just like, 
now watch this bitch. And then like throws down sunglasses and then just shreds. And can we remind the audience that he's only been holding this guitar for about three <laughs> minutes? <laughs> yeah, I, I like to imagine like a video game thing where the priests are like trying to dive on him and steal a guitar away, but then he's shredding a solo that kind of like sends all the priests flying backwards. Yeah, and, like, like in sound waves. Like in Power Rangers dramatic fashion. Yeah, but kind of going back for a minute, how there's like the difference between like the priest and this character who's this nameless, by the way. So that's why we just keep calling him character. Uh, I do like because of how different everything sounds between the two, you get that true sense of conversation. Because mm-hmm. like it, you always know who's, although again, like one yells and one doesn't, but like you always get this idea and this perspective of like who's speaking. So it's very clear in your mind. So really well done writing and composition on that part. Like, I don't know how they piece that together when they were putting it in the studio. Cause I know like Pierre probably came back with the lyrics like days later with like, okay, let's jam. Mm-hmm. Apparently the music was already done. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, but it, it's very smart the way they did it. You know, I never pieced together who was talking until you said that the priests are yelling and I was like, Oh, okay. I can the see only that. Yeah, time I never thought of that. The only time the the main character yells at all is towards the end when yes he does indeed kill himself. Yeah. Uh, because like, well, we, we, you know, we'll we'll get to that when we get there. Do you have anything else to say about this for um, presentation? Not particularly. I feel like this quickly sets the sort of main scene or sort of the the beginning and the rising action of the story. Yeah, and, and maybe it, the it, climax a little bit, maybe. Maybe not. Yeah, kind of. We're, we're kind of getting there because then, yeah, it transitions into the, we'll just go to the last batch of songs now. Mm-hmm. So song number three, Oracle the Dream, Soliloquy, and Grand Finale. Again, three tracks in one. Uh, yeah, because at this point, we're kind of reaching the climax where it's just like he's been kind of shunned out and the thing that he thought was beautiful is like being told it's a waste of time, although he disagrees heavily, obviously. Um mm-hmm. I, I believe, like, going back to the idea of the motif that I mentioned earlier with, like, with the music, which is that one chord progression, like, nah, 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 like, that's that's the motif of the entire 2112. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the best playful use of the motif so far in the entire story. It's presented in, like, an intense yet interesting and slower kind of way, so it's done a little differently than the rest of the tracks have done it. Mm-hmm. So it stood out to me. I really enjoyed that. Uh, then Soliloquy is, like, this nice kind of final call back to the, uh, like, uh, callback to the character i should say but it transitions well into the finale as well it's like a very good middle point between oracle and finale of just kind of like that's where the climax really happens where like he has this dream of like another race that oh god we're deep, deep diving into this story now the elder race of men went to the temple of the searings and they left this planet and then he's having this dream that's actually kind of like kind of a fantasy in a way or like a thing astral projecting whatever anyways uh yeah, oh God, I'm, it's, I'm having a hard time explaining this because I wasn't prepared to do this part. <laughs> but how do you know that by listening to the songs, like just the songs? Obviously, there has to be some accompanying material. Yeah, oh, yeah, there really, is. And to it, really been, get that. The story's been explained. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's the reason why I know. But yeah, like you, there's obviously a lot that you can just only interpret if you listen to the lyrics. Right. Yeah. Like Oracle, yeah, he has he kind of goes back to his house and he's all like all sad and shit. So he, he takes a nap and then he has this vision or a dream that 
feels very real and he sees like the world that he wants to live in and it's like oh yeah your people fucked up and uh, now you're stuck there like an idiot and so then he wakes up he feels all sad and that's soliloquy uh, and he's just like well I'm miserable now and I'm never gonna have that and then grand finale comes in where yes he kills himself because he realizes he will never have that ideal life and he's gonna be stuck in his gray shit forever and then one thing you wouldn't know in, unless you kind of take the ambiguous lyrics at the end, another galactic war starts. Mm-hmm. We have assumed control. Oh my God. That, that was so cheesy, but like, I guess it was the seventies. So everyone was really into like sci-fi and like space and the moon landing and sh- yeah. When did, uh, when did the first star Wars come out? Was it around 76? I, I, I don't know my star Wars timeline at all. I have so. no idea. I know it was in the 70s. I can tell you that much. Well, and then people might like it too because like uh, Close Encounter of the Third Kind I think came out in the early 70s, mid-70s. I, I don't I don't know. But I'm just thinking like, yeah, people would probably like the sci-fi back then and it probably would yeah. work really well. But it was a very ambiguous ending because you have no idea what the hell any of that means. Like, uh, attention all planets of the Solar Federation repeated three times. We have assumed yeah. control repeated three times. Where there's like explosion, guitar f- like feedback on crazy like super cool concert ending yep and that's it that's uh, all you know <laughs> i i assume that like oh what was that movie that i was no uh starship troopers is that it where they're all like they're i don't know whatever they're dressed in i imagine that with like these star wars type phasers and then they're just like they bust in and then they're just shooting everybody that's what i got from the ending but whatever um back to the music though um now i know i talk about the bass a lot if you've been here before yeah yeah you already know uh i do enjoy the bass being such a good accompaniment because it's not like throwing lines out left and right and that's specifically for these three i think possibly i was uh specifically talking about grand finale Um, But it adds like small flourishes, like neck slides or sort of bends. And it's not like, I don't know. I always found Geddy Lee's playing like, like low key. You know what I mean? It's like super effective and really good, but it's not like, I don't know. He's not stepping in front of everyone being like, no, now watch me. He's like the typical bass player. I'm so down for it. Um. I I am so unsure if I enjoy that squeaky guitar panning ear to ear at the end of grand finale, but I really like the main riff and the drums that started off. Um, sounds really great, but as soon as that sort of like squealy guitar starts to, yeah, you lost me on that one. Um, didn't dock any points just because um, I have problems. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. It was kind of difficult for me to judge these because they're like two minutes long, but there's like 47 things happening in each one of these songs. And it's like to pick each one apart, like this would be like a three hour show just to go through everything, every part. So it's it's hard to do a review and, and be as in depth as I want to be. But it's also hard not to be incredibly vague as well. No, yeah, I get that. And that's exactly why we bunched everything together. Because yeah. like, we're for the most part bunched everything together. Cause yeah, it, it it's hard to do that with individual tracks when there's so little, but yet there's so much at the same time. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and with these ones too, yeah, like there's a guitar solo in the soliloquy that I really like, and I, uh, it was better than the one in presentation for sure. So that's probably one of my favorite guitar solos on this side of the album, and that's like literally the solo just before the character kills himself. Uh, and then grand finale, as mentioned before, that's exactly what it says it is. It's an, a very energetic wrap up to the story. And obviously the ambiguous ending, once again, it's just too bad we'll never uh, understand what that meant or we'll never get a sequel of 2113 because the writer is kind of no longer with us. So, I mean, like, yeah. uh, it, it's a very strange ending to the story. But you know what? I I dig it, though. It, it's, it's interesting. Maybe the, the ending was a little corny with the, the voiceover, but it's it's old school Scott sci-fi. I can, I can deal with it. Yeah, there, there are some things that we'll hear in records. I'm like, oh, like that's, that's so lame. That's it. But it's like, I do have to keep in mind or in perspective that like, it was either fresh at the time. It was topical at the time. Other people were doing it. So it's like, I'm sure the whole fascination with the moon landing, like what a decade, not even a decade before and the sci-fi boom and stuff like that. Like, I can imagine that someone listening to it back then was like, oh, cool. This is awesome. Where now we're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, apparently that part was done with uh, Getty and Alex in the studio just kind of messing around with a tape recorder. Oh, really? And they kind of did it a bunch of different ways, and then they just kind of picked out the one that they liked. Like, there was no real plan. They, they like, knew what the script was, essentially, but there's yeah. no plan on how they were presenting it. So they did it a bunch of different ways, and then they all sat down and was like, okay, this one's the best. So that's how they did it. Interesting. Cool. All right. I mean, as as brief as that seemed, that is the wrap up to the A side of twenty one twelve, the actual story side. Mm-hmm. So now we'll flip over to side B, quite literally side B. And now every song from here out is uh, just ranked normally. They're all individual tracks, so it's all good. So let's flip over now and go to song number four, A Passage to Bangkok. Apparently the song is about the best places to get weed. I did hear them saying something about smoking <laughs> at one point. Yeah. I heard them say Lebanon, Afghanistan. I didn't know Bangkok yeah. was known for their pop, but hey, what do you know? I Yeah, I had no idea until I looked it up because uh, I was actually curious what it was about. Um, the chorus is very catchy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Super <clears throat> like, easy to sing along to. Like, I know that Rush is like called a progressive rock band. And to be quite honest, I'm not really sure what the criteria for that is. Um, but they they have so many three to four minute radio friendly songs that totally appeal to the masses. And this would be one of them. This one was a single, was it not? Uh, it wasn't listed on Wikipedia, but like I've heard it a million times. So it may have just been one of those uh they include it on compilations and stuff so it might be a favorite of theirs kind of thing yeah possibly and like i've heard covers of it like billy talent covered it Jeez, mm-hmm. and that was interesting uh cool. yeah with the song uh I, I think it has a great opening riff and no i'm not talking about that little uh sting at the beginning there which is I that had- racist Okay, I had to Google that because I was okay. like, this feels like it's extremely stereotypical. So that's yes. what makes me think it's racist. So it didn't help that when I Googled it, I, was, I wanted to know what it was called. I wanted to see if it had a proper name. It literally yeah. just came up as Asian theme. <laughs> so that I mean, sounds worse. Yeah, that makes it a little worse. And okay. I was like reading about all the songs that have like used that before, including this one. Apparently, 
I, I didn't read the entire thing, but someone like flew out to like mainland China and everything like that and played that like that little riff for people like on like a speaker or something and tried to get their ideas like, does this sound racist to you? Like, what is your thoughts on this? And apparently like not only had like none of them ever heard it before, they're like, this doesn't even sound Chinese. Yeah. So I found that particularly interesting. So. I'm going to lean towards the side of saying it probably is and it's outdated. Because even when yeah. Billy Talent covered the song, they didn't uh, use that part at well, all. Well, that's good. So I mean, I'm, I'm going to say yes. It definitely like discerns the song. You hear it and you're like, oh, I know what song this is. But then it's like you hear it and you're like, ooh. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a what? <laughs> then I mean, wasn't there that song like Kung Fu Fighting? Yeah. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Oh, you hear that like a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. So, yeah, I'm going to lean towards and say it's probably racist, unintentional, unintentional. I can't even say unintentional. Back then, I have no idea what people's thoughts were. But now, if it's used nowadays, you should know better than to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, I love the guitar riff, uh, the opening guitar riff that kind of goes through the verse too. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Super catchy chorus. It's super easy to sing along to. Really enjoy that. Um, and I do like really like the pacing of the song, especially during the guitar solo too. Like it felt like a little bit more straightforward rock, kind of as you mentioned before. But that part specifically mm -hmm. felt more straightforward than the rest of the track. So it worked. Uh, I enjoyed it. Not my favorite song on the album, but still a fun little track. Uh, I found that it sounds very tight, and like that's pretty much the entire album. Which still I am baffled that they recorded it in such a short period of time um sweet um my last note just says nice so yeah. i liked it yeah it was good it was good it was like it wasn't anything crazy or oh my god this is out of this world but it is kind of a nice little refresher from the first side where you listen to it and this is just three and a half minutes of just a rock song that's it yeah, that's essentially how it feels. Uh, and I mean, this is this is a weird thing for me where like if I say side B syndrome, which I've mm -hmm. explained before is kind of like, you know, all the best hits are on the A side and the B side kind of just fills things up. I don't yes. necessarily feel that for this album, but there are tracks where I can feel that way. Yeah, well, I mean, side B is all independent songs, so it's kind of easier to, well, I guess it might be easier to hide less than stellar tracks within a story at the beginning. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll move on to song number five. Now the twilight zone, you mentioned cheesy earlier. This is, this is the one I found kind of cheesy because it's like literally just like explaining the show. <laughs> um, I like the guitar at the beginning. Um, it kind of gives me like early eighties, I don't know what processing is on that, but for some reason, the band Asia came to mind, although I listened to some of their songs, which I've done on my own personal time anyways. Um, doesn't sound anything like them, but I'm going to stick stick by it anyways. The chorus is very Led Zeppelin-y. Uh, that's funny that you say that only because whenever I've brought up Led Zeppelin on the show, you're like, I don't know what any songs are if it's not Cashmere. Well, yeah, because that one's in weird timing, so it's easy to point pick out. But it's just, I think it's the voice. 
that just like he's more singing. You have entered the twilight zone. That's it's nice. I wasn't even listening to the lyrics. I I had no idea what this is about. They're very like very. Oh, you know, I'll get to that in a minute because actually I have something to say about the the singing in the chorus too. Funny enough, this is the song that I usually like skipped on my listen throughs. Not that I yeah. think it's a bad song or anything like that, but just it's not super interesting to me. Uh-huh. It, it sounds good in what it does, but just like compared to like the the problem with this, especially everything on the B side of this album, is everything that I experienced inside A was like this big epic adventure, yeah. and now it's like. I don't know. It's it's like if the opening act is way better than the main act at a concert. Yeah. It's just like your energy's already gone because the opening act kicked ass. Yeah. And so like so I don't know if I would have felt better if like the overture would have been on side B. Like I don't know if I'd be too tired for it by then. I don't know if it's the perfect placement, but Twilight Zone to me is one of the songs that suffered because of something like that. Yeah, cuz it's kind of overshadowed. Yeah, more or less. But although like I do like the the quieter idea of this song too. Like there's a couple of them on this on this side of the album, which is nice to have. Um, yeah. But going to the chorus, because as we mentioned a minute ago, once I get that burp out of my system, um, hey, I'm drinking beer, okay? Oh, <laughs> by the way, do you have something to show? Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you for the segue. Are you seeing so, this audio viewers, listeners? Yes. Okay. Well, I will describe it um, from Henderson Brewing Company. And now if you are a Rush fan uh, on any social media, you will see that Rush has come out with their, or they have collaborated on their own beer. So I have a box of limited edition collector cans, and we have four cans of Rush beer. Now on each can is sort of signifies the first four records, and the one on, well, I would assume your left would be the record that we are doing. I've only tried this one. Um, but I have somewhere to be after this, so I cannot open these till tomorrow. Exactly. And yeah, the one that you're just pointing to there for today's album, that's the one they released first. Like that was the first yes. big release. But now they've, uh, I don't know, like I, I'm a celiac, so unfortunately I cannot partake. I wish I could. Uh, I'm drinking gluten-free beer like an idiot. <laughs> By an idiot, I mean like a celiac. Um, <laughs> the other three, yeah, I don't know if they have a different taste or anything like that. But yeah, the fact that they're just modeled after the first three or four albums there that's super cool i would buy it just to have it on display essentially i don't know i think they're the same they're all canadian golden ales and some of the uh some of the the ads that getty and alex did for that beer too were so funny they are a very funny couple well because i they were just like kind of they were supposed to be having this casual conversation about beer but it was like obviously like it felt kind of like scripted and improvised at times. Yeah. Like you can tell they were trying to stop each other from laughing. But then <laughs> I, I think it was Alex Lyson who's just like, yeah, this beer's pretty good. It's it's better than clubbing someone on the back of the head. It's just, <laughs> it's just like, where the hell did that come from? Fair, I guess. I mean, That's hey, funny. if it stops you from murdering people, then maybe have a sip. I don't know. Why not? Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go back now that we're not talking about beer anymore. But yeah, we were supposed to show that at the beginning. But regardless. Yes. Um, so Getty's voice in the chorus feels really strange in my headphones. And maybe it's just the mix of this album for like the, the remastered 2016 version. Um, it's like his voice slowly kind of goes into my head right in the center of my brain. And it's just like an omnipresent voice. There's something weird about the mix that just makes it sound like it, like his voice is in my head. Like, I don't know how to explain it properly. Did, did you feel like you had his voice on your left side whispering into your ear? 
funny enough that you say that, I said, I have a feeling you, parentheses Savannah, hated the whispering in the second chorus. And I quote, I hate whisper ASMR, so the whispered background vocals in my left ear made me want to rip it off. But that's just me. Uh, I believe that was Alex Lifeson doing the, the whispering. I hated that. I hated it. Like, I can imagine, like, uh, sure. Turn around and say it to song. his face. He's right there. <laughs> there <Don>. you go. <laughs> Done. Uh, she's got a calendar with Alex Lyson's face on it for the audio listeners there. Gotta, yes. I keep forgetting to do the descriptions. It is, it is the running joke that I refuse to change the calendar a, to the proper. Is that the uh, Presto Tour? I see a bunny. It is, it is the Presto Tour. It is the month of November, where today it is December. Close. And that is from 2020. It is now 2022. You've had the same calendar since we started the podcast. That's also the yes. running joke. Yes. But next year, I will have a different one because I Ooh. do have a different one in my kitchen that is current. So next year, that is season four, I suppose. Yes, exactly. It'll be one year behind. But yeah, right. I, don't have, I don't have much for this one. Like I can see the song being a single, but like not on any charts for very long. It'd be like, oh, what's this? Oh, don't care. Um, I found that it ended too quickly. Uh, it just sort of faded out like real fast. Yeah. Um, for some reason that kind of, you know, sometimes it does work, but then other times like I notice and I'm like, just give me like 10 more seconds and it it would have felt like a more natural end instead of someone leaning on the, you know, the fader. Um, but yeah, aside from that, didn't hate it. It's not my number one. So you can mark that down at least. Fine and dandy. I, I don't know where it's, you're going to put it on your list, but I already have an X next to it anyway. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Honestly, there's good acoustic work in this track. Uh, it's nice to have something to come down with, as I said earlier. As I said, overall, not a bad track, just... It's very uneventful aside from some mixing choices. Mm -hmm. And if you just heard, if I heard the song on its own and not part of this whole album, especially not part of the A side, uh, then maybe I'd enjoy it more. But because of like what I sat through already, it's just like, yeah, the song wasn't doing it for me, which is fine. You're allowed to have tracks like this because there's, um, kind of going off topic a little bit, but the album uh, Fortress by the band Protest the Hero is that album's like nonstop hyper energy of like metal. Like there's yeah. no breathing points in that album. So like you have to be ready for the entire album because there's no stopping until the end. Mm -hmm. And it's just like those can get exhausting. So I do appreciate songs like this, especially placement on the album. I I can agree with that. I, uh, I definitely, I'm pretty sure I have that note for a song or two coming up. So. All right, so we'll move on. Maybe it's one of these songs. Song number six, Lessons. It's not. Okay. Um, this one I really tried. didn't, it, this one did not do it for me as a song, but there were like little bits of it that I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> now I am going to reference a couple other bands in the next couple of songs here. Um, the beginning, I felt like this could have been a Boston song. Like just the way yeah. that it started. Okay. Like, Early Boston, I would say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like first album. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, agree. I really enjoyed the meandering baseline because you can tell that that line, it had, it had a responsibility. It had directions. It was like, it, it told its own story on its own. It just wasn't, you know, 
four quarter notes, whatever. I know it's Getty Lee. That's clearly not going to happen, but it was more involved than this song deserved. So I like that. Um, unfortunately, I, I believe it's this one that uh, it was a song that Alex Lifeson wrote wholly on his own. Yes. And I feel bad. I don't want to trash it, but it just, it, I didn't really like Not it. Not only that, the lyrics are actually personal too. Ah, do you know, do you know what the song's about? I have no idea. We don't do lyrical breakdowns. No, but we we did for side A essentially. We, like this is the album that this, this is the exception to the rule at this point. Also, I'm I'm intimately familiar with this album, so okay. Uh, I le- I am not. Lessons is essentially about Alex growing up and his parents didn't agree to the decision of him playing guitar and they wanted him to do anything except you didn't listen again. The parents yeah. shout and everything like that. But can you imagine he actually listened to his parents? Can you imagine oh that God. like he's like okay, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to play guitar. Just gives it up then suddenly canadian history just fizzles at that point because rush didn't exist oh my god all of the children that were born or that were conceived while rush was playing just vaporizing into the air thanos out of existence exactly. oh my god thousands and thousands Fucking alex license dad just snaps his finger and just like holy shit like canadian economy certain people in yeah. the world just disappear yeah. <laughs> yeah, two two billion people less on the face of the earth. And then there was a there was a video I saw a live concert where they're playing this song, and then once the song's over, his parents are standing outside stage, so he goes over and gives them a hug, and like Aww. people are just like applauding for it because obviously they realized how incredibly wrong they were. Yeah, <laughs> like Aww. it's like I'm sorry that we ever told you not to play guitar, but thank you for rebelling. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well I didn't know what it was about. Now I feel even more guilty, but like the song. Yeah. As it's like the song itself, it's just it lost me. It I don't know. It was just felt all over. I don't know. Things kind of melded pretty well for me. The course was a little different, I guess, but it, like everything yeah. worked. Everything stood out on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good uh, song with a good use of acoustic. It, it had a very like warm, inviting tone to it, so I enjoyed that. Um, this song reminds me of two other Rust songs, actually. Uh, there's Making Memories from Fly By Night, and there's Lakeside yeah. Park from Crest of Steel, which... Lakeside Park totally stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. And I figured it would. Like, if people don't know what Making Memories is from Fly By Night, then you chances are you know what Lakeside Park is. <laughs> yeah. But, like, they, all three of them really are pretty interchangeable in their, like, their, their, their style, progression, composition overall, like... Sometimes it's hard to tell them apart, but not necessarily a bad thing, though, because, I mean, I like all those songs. So Yeah, uh, it. Yeah, I don't know. I it is with heavy guilt and a heavy heart that uh, I would listen to this as part of the record, but I just didn't feel like I could grasp it. I guess I felt like it was just I don't know. It, it wasn't my my bag, unfortunately, but I found it incredibly impressive that Getty can sing with like with a squealing guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. His, his vocal melody and the guitar, like say, I would assume same octave, like, wow. Sound like, yeah. Wild. And the, the distort, blah, blah, blah. The distorted guitar tone at the, for the solo at the end is beautiful and was definitely my favorite part. So the very end, I, I had to wait through the whole thing, got to the end. I really like that. So, I mean, it redeemed itself at the very last minute, came in clutch. 
Well, there you go then. At least you like something yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, there were little little bits of it at least. I did mention Getty belting out you didn't listen again, like that really oh, yeah. high scream, even higher than the first side of the album. Uh it's really impressive and like Boy. probably, yeah, as I said, more intensity than twenty one twelve overture. So something to really enjoy out of that and just back when he actually had it, you know, back when he could actually do it. And then you wouldn't hear a high note again until what uh limelight, I guess it would be, like some years later. <laughs> I have no idea. I still have temples of searings in my head, so that's all I'm hearing. That's fine because it's a good, <laughs> damn good song. Oh, um, yeah. And as I said, I, I I love how much the chorus stands over, over the verse as well. It just gets like heavy and accented enough that I thought grabbed your attention, but obviously didn't grab mm-hmm. yours. But my review, my words. Exactly, exactly. We shall shed no tears. I was going to say your review of that song is going to make me shed tears, but whatever. <laughs> so we both had a pun for it. There you go. Have to have at least one, especially at the end of the season here. Exactly. Did, did we even have any last week? Oh, probably. Oh, probably. I don't even remember, but whatever. That was then. This is now song number seven, Tears. Okay. Now, please, please forgive me, my Lord and Savior, Neil Peart. This sounds like it could be Air Supply with a much better backing band. I be- I believe Getty wrote this one. Oh, oh yeah? Hold on. I could just pull up the record. I have it right here. Who needs Wikipedia when you have an entire record to look at? Exactly. Lyrics way, by I- Getty Lee. There you go. Uh, well, then the music. It it just it sounds like Air Supply. But, like, the music sounds good. The vocals definitely give me that, like... Was this their bid to get the ladies? I don't know, but I like I like Getty's like soft voice though. Oh no, it sounds good. It's just it's so out of left field for what I'm familiar with. Because, like I said, I haven't really listened to this album really in its entirety in oh god decades. Um, but yeah, I would totally add this to a '70s like a '70s ballads playlist. And then when I go through it, I go, Rush, who the hell put this on here? Because I probably wouldn't even think that this was a song. So, yeah, they, they don't really have a lot of songs that are like this. Like, no, even if they do, I can't think of them off the top of my head. I was about to say The Trees, but then The Trees gets pretty heavy. Or not heavy, yeah. but like, like it picks up and there's more progression to it. But yeah, I think this is kind of like standout among their discography. Mm-hmm. Like, and it wasn't bad. Did you hear? Have you heard the um, the Alice in Chains cover? No, it's with their new singer though, uh, not Lane Staley. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, still, like it, it's actually pretty decent though. I like it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not usually a fan of the vocals and guitars doing the exact same melody, but that's kind of what the verses are for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one doesn't necessarily sound bad, but I still don't like it all that much. And if you, if anyone needs a good example of like what I'm talking about, besides this, just think of like. Iron Man by Black Sabbath. It's the example of like what annoys me the most when it comes to singing and guitar playing oh, the exact same thing. Heavy yeah. boots of light, like the guitar and singing. That's oh, so annoying. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> oh my God. Next time we do the mixtape, they're all going to be songs that do that. And you're going to be like, okay, that's, that's it. My Welcome to the F tier. No one's ever been here before. Not even Weezer. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I didn't find like anything outrageous going on, but I do find that this one and this was I think the first 
well, one of the first ones that I really noticed that I found it mixed pretty well. Um, I really like, again, how the bass is so intense. Um, I really could feel it in the headphones. Like I couldn't really feel any drum hits sort of vibrating into my body, but I could definitely feel some of those bass hits. I was super down for it. I feel like with such a sort of, I don't know, this, this song kind of put me in like a solemn sort of mood, I think just from the tone and the sound of it. So having those like sort of, booming bass feels with such a slow song kind of amplified that solemn feeling in some way either way i walked away from it going yeah i'd listen to that again like purposely yeah i thought i was gonna hate it and then it totally changed by the by the third time i heard it. i was like okay i think i'm getting into this This well just the way you started this review you were begging for forgiveness oh yeah oh she's trashing this well i mentioned air supply that's why because i can imagine that your your eyebrows just directly frown when i say that like the fuck yeah yeah exactly (laughs) what did you Um, just say i will say uh one of the as I always point out in songs, they use it, the Mellotrons here. So shout out to Hugh Sim or Syme. I don't know how you pronounce S-Y-M-E. Regardless, he's the one who plays the Mellotron in this one. So good choice to add to the track. It, just, it really added like to the softer and sadder atmosphere of the song. He's the guy that created the Starman logo. Is that a fact? It, it is a fact. I like, recognize like the, the name. The Starman here, this dude? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. he designed that logo and he played the Mellotron on this album. Cool, cool. Look at him keeping busy. Yeah. Um, overall, so this well. is a this is a pretty ballad. It's like it's fine. Great instrumental work overall on this track. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice to have a ballad since we don't usually get that out of Rush. I, I don't know. I'm back and forth on the song. I like it, but like I have to be in the mood for it. It's not necessarily that I have to be in a sad mood for it. Just like sometimes yeah. I'm just not in the mood to listen to it. But it's still a good song, though. I get that. I, I found that this one flew by. I didn't even realize it until it was close to over. Well, three and a half um, minutes. Yeah, not that bad. Yeah. But it's like, I, I just, at the beginning, I didn't think I was going to like it. I'm like, okay, when is this over? Like, I'm pretty, oh, shit. Like, I listened to the whole song and that was fine. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it changed my mind in three and a half minutes. So, I, that was pretty Fantastic. Good. It's doing its job. Right. Exactly. All right, let's wrap this up then. Final song in the album, Something for Nothing. Isn't this a Dire Straits song? Is it? No, it's not. That's Money for Nothing. Money is for Nothing or something like that. Yeah, I just wanted to make the joke. Um, This one, again, starts with acoustic guitar. Feels far less like air supply, thank God. (laughs) Um, The electric does kick in a little bit later on. And I love the guitar riffs in the chorus. There has to be something in common with all of these little things in these records we've reviewed that I'm like, oh, I like this tone of this or I like this little part. I would love to go back and this could be tedious task and like figure out what the hell it is that I like about all of those things and then just feed that into my brain for constant dopamine. Yeah, that's the, you're gonna have to hire some scientists for that one. I, oh, oh right, oh my god, I will be a lab monkey. Don't care, that's fine. Because it, electrodes and wires just sticking out all over your head oh. and stuff. I've had an EEG before. It's fine. Did you get that goo in your hair? Ugh. Lovely. But 
I really liked the chorus. It was uh, it was awesome. And I could definitely see it being coming in earworm for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this song was a little easier to get behind because it feels like mm-hmm. an, an al- amalgamation of like everything the entire album has given us up to this point. Like yeah. little bits and pieces of what you've heard from side A to side B can be found in this song as kind of a wrap up little deal here. Uh, I really like the instrumental work in the chorus. I also thought it was great, especially Getty's bass line. I thought there was just like a lot going on there too. Kind of like you were talking about earlier in different songs, but like I really noticed it in this one in particular. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Um, I, I like going towards the end of the song too. I found it endlessly funny that as Getty is singing, Alex Lifeson's guitar solo kind of comes out of nowhere, gets louder, buries <laughs> Getty's voice to the point where Getty's just kind of sil- goes silent. I was just like, yeah, just drown him out. Why not? <laughs> You mentioned earlier Getty's just like he he doesn't really stand out. He's just like he knows his place, bass player, but he's still really good at it, blah blah blah. Yeah. But then I imagine like Getty singing Conjure and Alex kind of just steps right in front of him, like right on the edge of the stage and like starts shredding. It just, just pushes Getty back with the neck of his guitar. <laughs> yeah, go back, back, back. Or just like slowly this one leg and just starts shoving Getty's shin backwards and he's just like, what the fuck? Um, the only other thing I really had to say about this song, I mean, I didn't feel like there was too much more to say, but this one wasn't really a true album ender to me, although I, at this oh. point, I don't know if that matters oh so much. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will say, if like as kind of alluded to earlier, if 2112, like the overture was on this side, then Grand Finale would have been the perfect album closer. Oh my God, Masterpiece album closer right there. Yeah. The Galactic Federation or Solar Federation comes in and assumes control. But no, this one just kind of ended didn't feel too final good track but i mean like i don't know placement on the album i'm always a thing for that so did this side feel more just like a like of a did this side feel more of a compilation rather than the second side to the actual like 2112 story yeah, these felt like the studio sessions from the 2112 session. Yeah, where like it's the, like this is released after the big release and it's like yeah. bonus features. Yeah, it's, it's like 2112 yeah. part two and it's just like all of these songs just like, yeah, these are all the studio sessions we've recorded between 75 and 76. I kind of got that too. Yeah, and I didn't. That, that I just want to say real quick too, that kind of makes me think like if if the overture wasn't on side one, I wonder how I'd feel about this album because, like, I like the songs on side B, but I don't think this would be grand as grand or epic. As a matter of fact, if the, if that was the case and this album didn't take off, I'm pretty sure like Rush wouldn't even exist. Oh, I, probably not. This was one of the make or break albums where, like, they're like, if this doesn't work, we're done. And obviously, oh, yeah. it works. So, spoiler alert: like, 50 years later, I mean, because I I could be wrong, um, but after Caress of Steel, they were like, okay, don't do that again. And they're like, we're gonna do this again, and then did it again. <laughs> yeah, and everyone was like, okay, this is good. And they're like, oh, thank God. Well, here's the thing: I like Caress of Steel. I can see why it's kind of a lull though, because <laughs> they weren't yeah. they hadn't really gotten to that epic storytelling yet. Oh, they uh, jumped right into it. Yeah, like like Chris Steel w- was the first attempt at it, yeah. and it was okay, but it, it, I don't know, it, it kind of fell flat at some point. And I mean, if you really want to dig back a little further, Fly By Night had By Tour and the Snow Dog, an eight and a half minute yeah. track. So that was the first kind of like toe in the water. Yeah. Then Chris Steel was just like fuck it, Cannonball, and then they realized they Cannonball in the shallow end for that one. So then they went to the deep end, <laughs> Cannonball for yeah. twenty one twelve, and actually made a huge splash. Yeah. 
I I really like that. That's hilarious. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was good. Um, yeah, I don't really have much for for this one either. Um, it did turn out much, much better than I thought it was going to. I did think it was going to be another slow acoustic song, but it definitely took an upswing about, I don't know, maybe a third of the way in or so. So I really liked that. And yeah, I'm just going to mim or parrot myself from earlier. The tone on the bass. It's so good. Yum, it's, yum, it's, bass. Ooh, yeah, yum, tasty. It's <laughs> so good. Please rattle my bones. Uh, the tone on that bass has become so synonymous with Rush, and I like it. I don't know if it's like the type with the tone, if it's just one or the other. But either way, it's just one of those things that when I hear it, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know who this is. So. Yeah, I mean... Uh, there was a lot of percussive bass players back then too, like uh, even uh, what's his name, Chris Squire from Yes, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah, I like, don't know his name, but I know I knew the band. I believe that's his name. I could be wrong, but like yeah. I mean, Getty was influenced from him, so like that's where that yeah. percussive style comes. And then Les Claypool heard Getty Lee and's like, oh, I'm gonna do percussive too. Now they're best friends. Oh hell yeah, like best friends for life, BFFs. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, well, were you gonna say something? No, not at all. I am completely finished. I was going to say, I heard a noise and I wanted to make sure that there's not another word coming out. <laughs> creak, creak and bones. That's all. Fair enough. I get that too. We are at the end of 2112, both the A and the B side. So, hey, here we are. And if I had to sum up this album real quick, I'll say side A, fuck yeah. And side B, fuck yeah, but to a lesser extent. Um, I, this feels like my first exposure to this entire album definitely side b although i think what passage to bangkok was really the only song that i've heard on repeat from that side um yeah i i don't really have anything other than a newfound appreciation for it i do see why people say oh this one's so good but just because i've listened to so much rush it's i can pick little things that i like but you know what, if this appeals to the masses and gets people to listen to them who wouldn't normally listen to their later stuff, by all means, I'm down for it. Well, I mean, I'm glad you enjoyed it, or at least it sounded like you enjoyed it. So, I mean, oh, I flunked it. It's F tier. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, I, I couldn't imagine you hating the album. Like, even if you didn't love it, I can't imagine hating it even a little bit. Do you have a guess on where I would have? Uh, percentage wise i don't know if i, I would have ranked say it. it oh yeah because the, this this one jinx be, it go ahead this one could be ahead. very interesting yeah uh, i'm gonna say you you have it at least at like 77.5 okay that's all i'm gonna say Brilliant. uh but like i don't know this one could be big today this one could be big we will it see could, it could be but we'll find that out in a little bit because first we have to do part two of the podcast. You know, flip over to side B here. We have to. Well, there's no part C though. Anyways, we have to rank the uh, rank the songs now. So that's what we're gonna do. Above our heads, yes. bam! Graphics have changed, or I should say, boom. That's what I would say. Whatever. It's the last episode. I can do whatever I want. There are names. There are numbers. And there's gonna be more names because I have to put song titles up there. A lot of words, but fewer spaces. So I, I can I can deal with that. I, it shouldn't yes. be too bad in editing. Mm-hmm. Well, not a lot to go on today. Uh, I mean, it could have been 12, but I mean, we're only doing eight. It, I, I feel like we, we're going to have one. I, I actually, you, you kind of spoiled it earlier, I think. Although we, did, we didn't yeah. discuss it, but I mean, you said something that yeah. made me like, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like with eight tracks and 
the first whole half of the album being only three tracks, you're really just like funneling it all down. So yeah, Rush is cheating for this one. That's why it's going to be so yeah. controversial. Bunch of, the, bunch the, of the, I, I wonder if today uh, the Eagles will try to kick our ass for trying to break their record of uh, most uh, song matches. I'm just imagining them <laughs> as actual Eagles and they're coming and attacking you like a seagull would. Oh, fucking Don Henley dive bombing me from 100 <laughs> feet in the air. <laughs> Fantastic. All oh right, well, God. let's find out where everything lies right now. I, I got one down for sure for, like, our pick. Song right. number eight, The Twilight Zone. Lessons. I kind of gave that one away. Yeah. Uh, number seven, A Passage to Bangkok. The Twilight Zone. Close. Twilight. Uh, number six, Tears. Oracle, The Dream, and Soliloquy, and Grand Finale. Alrighty then. Uh, that's I'm surprised that made up so uh, high on the list or low on the list, depending on how you look at it. There's only eight. It's no, fine. Number five, Lessons. Passage to Bangkok. Passage. Number four, Something for Nothing. Tears. I am full of them right now. <laughs> Uh, well, we have two left to match on, so and I'm, I'm still I'm still confident though. Uh, number three, discovering presentation. Something for nothing. <laughs> okay, we'll get it. Then we're gonna get one. <laughs> I'm already I'm I'm confident because my number two is Oracle uh, soliloquy and grand finale. How uh, yeah, discovery and presentation. I was gonna say how hilarious would it be if I completely lied, but I'm like you know what, I'll just give it to you. We matched it. So then, what is it? Uh, number one is Overture and the Temples of Syrinx. Duh. What else would it be? It's like it's like the Eagles. Victim of Love. Clearly the best song on the album. Although th that album had a lot of tracks I didn't like, whereas this one's like far better for it. <laughs> that's true. But the Eagles had Life in the Fast Lane. That's a pretty good song, too. But still, it's obvious. Whatever, I'll take the one out of eight. I mean, that's fine. It'll, it'll bump up our ratio a little more. And hey, at least for the last episode, what was it th like three episodes in a row now that we've had matches, three or four or something like that? Don't forget the one that I called halfway through the show. That was like two or three episodes ago. <laughs> Let go of the past. <laughs> I can't. It was awesome. Well, I, will, I will not allow you to bring that up in season four at all. Oh, that's fine. I'll just do it again. Because you won't even remember at that point. Yeah, probably. All right, well, we got a match of that. That's pretty cool. And now we got to see where exactly 2112 lies on our rating chart. So let's transition screen to find out. Whoosh. Woo. Alrighty then. We have the album rating list. Usually I would dread looking at the B tier, but it was just nice that last week we did a perfect circles 13th step and it was an A minus album. So, hey, another A tier album. Fantastic. Nothing's ever broken the A minus tier though, which is kind of strange to me, but at the same time, whatever, it's not B, I'll take it. The true, I feel like uh, beggars can't be choosers at this point, and we are definitely beggars. We are, and I'm I'm begging that this album makes the A tier, I swear to God, it has to. It has uh, to. Although I, I, I guess that you were gonna give it a 77.5, so now you will either Say that you'll say something better or I'm going to have to fire you on the very last episode if it's worse. Uh, you know that you're going first because last week for a perfect circle, I went first. So I guess which sucks because uh, I chose both albums. <laughs> yeah, well, this let's count this one as an anniversary of some sort, even though I'm going to list it on YouTube under um, Chris's choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. You go first. Anyways, no, no beating around the bush. You got to tell me what you got. 
I'm not beating around anything. I'm gonna just tell you right now. So I obviously really enjoy this album, and I I own the damn thing. I own all this Rush merchandise because 2112 is what got me to where I am today as a Rush fan. Uh, so 84.37, uh, solid A tier album for, in my eyes. That is, that is fucked. Mm-hmm. That is fucked. Uh, 86.13. I think we have a num- new number one. Oh my god. I do the math because well, I, no, I no, we do because yeah, the highest one is 83.25. Sure yeah, it, 86. Sure what? 13. <laughs> and it's not even in the A minus tier. Ladies and gentlemen, what a special episode season for the season three finale that we have. Not only is it an A tier album, higher than A minus. It is the brand new number one. I have it to celebrate too. The brand new number one album that's chosen by Chris, the best host. Rush's twenty one twelve scores eighty five point two five. That is two points over both Tools Anima and Mister Bungles, Mister uh, California. I can tell you that you don't even have to tell me that. Oh my God, we did it! We broke the number one slot again. No controversy just, this time. Yeah, can we just uh, just circle back to what you really sandwiched in there? You mean Chris, the best host? You know I was being sarcastic, right? Yeah, but if you say it, I'm going to take it seriously, very Damn it. seriously. Damn it! I don't know how it, to get compliments, so when I get them, I freak out all weird. It is so disappointing to me, and my just uh, and my soul that the top eight rated albums you picked. Wait, is it nine now because of Rush? No, it's eight now. So how many are in the A tier yeah. right now? Uh, in the A tier, seven. Oh, okay. I thought it was more. And they're than all that. yours. Well, damn. I'm so happy with that. I can, I'll live with that day and night. This is disappointing. You should feel happier, regardless of what wow. I've chosen. We have a new number one, and that's two that- A tiers in a row. And there wasn't some sort of, ah, it's the same score. No, it was a clear cut. It ran past the other ones. It won the race. When, when, and when I scored uh, 84.37 on my own, when I was listening to it, the fact that you liked it more than me too, holy shit. I know. um, But still, I I sat there and I'm like, what are the odds that it ends up being (laughs) 83.25 as a total score? Like what, what happens if we actually do that? Like we can't say it won't happen because we didn't know tool was going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I don't know what I would do. I'm really glad that that's not the case, though. Oh yeah, that that'd be a fucking nightmare. I don't have a three sided coin to flip. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I can't put my feet in that video and flip another coin. Okay, you gotta make one of those uh, paper fortune teller things that used to do in elementary school. I, I guess, or just roll a dice and assign yeah. two numbers to each band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's too simple. I don't like that. Well, I don't know how to make those cootie cats or whatever the hell they are. Huh. I'll show you. Anyways, point is, holy shit. Yeah, A tier album, shit. straight A tier. Okay, so not only is it the new number one, not only is it the season finale, but it's a straight A tier, the first one that's actually not been A minus. So, yes, this is a whole new category in of itself. We're getting that much closer to the S tier. We need to get there one day. Although it doesn't technically exist on our list anymore, anything above 90 at this point would be considered S tier. I am so close to cracking a beer in this celebration. You might as well just chug it real quick. What, you're not going to be super hungover tomorrow drinking one beer. <laughs> or you won't be drunk in the next five minutes either. 
one will turn into three will turn into four okay, fucking lush. <laughs> but it's a good thing to celebrate so I'm it is fantastic and uh, like i am super stoked for it. so what better way to celebrate 21 12 day than to know that it is now the top of rate the records mountain dang that's that's wild i like it yeah, unbelievable. Again, like I said last week, although I did my bragging at the beginning there, I will look past the fact that I chose this album, and I'm just happy that we have another A tier, and it far surpassed my expectations. I was like, maybe 80, maybe 81 altogether, like, yeah. because again, I thought you were going to be somewhere in the high 70s, because you're fucking impossible to please. But god damn, did this one actually change that mind? Yeah, my boyfriend says the same thing. Um, is this a, think- is the face of things to come in season four? Tune in. I was just going to say, do you think we have <laughs> anything in season four that would beat rush yeah that one that i i can't wait to listen to that you chose just keep alluding to that until it happens oh i can't wait but anyways we are at the end of the episode so hey thank you very much for checking out today's episode what an episode indeed i did not see this coming we we were heartbroken by b tier albums all season just to finally have a new number one this is absolutely insane so every single, yeah, every single season now has had an album break the number one. So we need another one for season four now. Hell yes. But yeah, thank you hey. for joining us. We hope that you've uh, enjoyed today's album just like we did. And make sure you let us know down in the comments below of wherever you're listening, what you thought about this album, because there's always options to tell us. Where would you rank the songs? Where would you rank the record? How do you think about this whole thing overall? Do you like Rush? Go ahead and let us know. We're always curious to know. You can let us know over on our social medias at Rate the Record Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I mean, let us know wherever. Even email us if you want to. I don't care. We'll read, we'll read the emails. I think that's mm-hmm. what it's there for. We don't really use it for much. <laughs> And and let me know personally if you want a video of me showing all my rush crap and my concert tickets and all that stuff because I got them all and I want to show them. I just want someone to watch it. We'll put it on Kobe.com slash write the record for bonus <laughs> content. We can yeah. do that because that's part of the bonus content thing. And I don't know how well it'll just work on YouTube. So maybe people who want to pay to see our stuff shit would like love to see your collection. I don't know. Excellent. I shall film it. But Kofi.com slash rate the record if you want to support the channel financially. That link can be found as as, along with all of our streaming links and our social media links over on ratetherecord.ca. So make sure you bookmark that and check for everything because we always have things going on. Mm -hmm. I say that season three is ending. We're going to be gone for a month. (laughs) Do you have any spoilers for season four? And uh, when are we doing Ted Nugent? Uh, I don't know. You have to choose Ted Nugent. First first off, please don't. (laughs) If I do, you're going to go in and just delete it off the list. Um, Just before I tell you the kind of what to expect for season four, I will say uh, while we're on our break, there's still videos going to be coming out uh, over the next couple of weeks or next few weeks, I should say. So next week will be our ranking number ones as we do at the end of every season. Every number one song that we had in season three, we will rank our least favorite to favorite. You know how that works. We've done it for the other two seasons. And of course, the best of season three will follow after that. Then the next two weeks after that, Savannah and I will pass off back and forth on doing the I Love This Song videos, the very mini kind of series that we do. And now's the perfect time to do it. So we're each going to release a video. So stay tuned for that. And then, yeah, season four starts in January. But Man, what to expect in season four besides hopefully and maybe another new number one album? I don't even know if I'd want there to be another number one album at this point. Um, but season four is what's coming up next month, next year, depending on how you want to look for it. I will say for the first half of season four, there's not a single band or artist 
uh, returning at all. It's all brand new bands that we have not nice. checked out at all. No artists either. So no Maynard James Keenan, no fucking Mike Patton. <laughs> it's awesome. Did we, did we, oh yeah, we didn't do, we did Mike Patton for season three. Okay. I just want to say, well, there's going to have, there's going to be Mike Patton season four, regardless. We just have to keep that boat floating. Um, but there's also season four is going to be a little all over the place with the genres too. I was kind of looking at our list. We have like rock metal, pop r&b hip-hop we got a little bit of everything in season four so you're gonna find something you like in there so- somewhere <laughs> including one of the biggest albums of all time is being done next season too so hey i mean like keep an eye and ear out for that i suppose oh yes and of course we have so more excited. requests coming uh we have plenty this season we have a couple more lined up for next season we want more so by all means send them and again you can find that in the description below or at the record.ca and yeah if you request us anything in season three you can now request in season four all that will be cleared and you're welcome to submit songs again. Yes, please do it. I've been exposed to some pretty decent music. I don't think I would have listened to you otherwise. So I enjoy when you guys send your requests. So please do more. We were exposed to Weezer. <laughs> we were. Anyways, yeah, that is the end of the episode. So once again, thank you for watching and thank you for chilling out with us this entire season. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for getting us over 100 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you in the audio world because our numbers, I know we don't talk about those numbers, but they are looking fantastic over there. Getting better almost weekly at this point. So, hey, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it and we hope that you'll come back in January for season four. Enjoy the bonus content while it's out there. Enjoy anything you've missed in the season so far and we'll see you again on the other side of the calendar. So until then, go listen to some awesome music like Flushes 21. Yes. And we'll see you again soon. So take care, friends. Farewell.